got lots of beefs. Beefs! <laughs> like Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat? Yes, sir. <laughs> like Fred Flintstone driving around bald feet. But this will be interesting because I've never done a threesome before. On the next episode of Oh God, it hurts. I'm like a parrot, dude. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Oh God, it hurts. Oh God, it hurts. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> This is our Hoppy New Year episode, and by Hoppy, I mean we've got a guest for the first time. So, with me as always is my co-host, Game Agent ET. Say hello, Eddie. Hey, everybody! Happy New Year! Please. And Hoppy New Year as our first guest in the house, fresh from retro futurist culture, Mister Hoptimus himself. Say hello, Mikey. What's up, guys? I'm super excited to be the first guest. I uh, love this show. It's so much fun, and I can't wait to uh, dive in with you guys. This is Woo! one of my favorite podcasts on Ruminations Radio Network. I'm super excited to be here. Oh, man. It's it's Thank great to have you on. And I mean, this uh, this little gathering pretty much represents like a quorum of our old Friday Night Fight crew. So... Um, yeah, yeah those a, were good times. Indeed. Uh, always playing at either your house, uh, James, or Optimus's house, and uh, mm -hmm. always uh, trash talking and trashing and scrapping. By the way, Optimus, uh, I, I did listen to uh, old uh, Six Button Samurai uh, podcasts, and I heard a little bit about your. Uh, dark stalkers type of <laughs> comment with Wait, uh, heard that shit. <laughs> uh lord raptor and uh a certain I, I, like to dunk, I like to dunk on you eddie i like to dunk <laughs> on you i i i i was hoping to retort on that you know <laughs> man there was dunking on even before dunking I, on was I, a thing in the i i, I think it's a little bit exaggerated you know but <laughs> I would like to get my redemption someday, maybe. Well, I do. I did inherit uh, a box of like three sixties that uh, Dave gave me, and he says two of them work. So I'm gonna hook them up, and I have an arcade stick, and I'm gonna install my Darkstalkers collection. Yeah. So whenever you're in America again, yeah. we will dunk it out. Yes, and we will have to record it first to ten. <laughs> yeah, first to ten. Battle for cattle. That, I think that would be a delightful video stream it if would. and when we're capable of doing such things, which you know we might be by that time. Yeah, and we'll po we'll post the link on the Twitter accounts of uh, Ogata Hertz and the Ogata Future Culture for dominance for the title <laughs> of dominance. <laughs> but yeah, so with that, let's uh, let's slide over to the water cooler here. Um, so a big topic as of late has been the 
Analog Pocket, which is the first FPGA-based portable. And, you know, supply chain issues being what they are, they're still ridiculously hard to get, even though Analog reopened pre-orders a few weeks back. Um, Eddie, you are, of course, the portables giant among us in particular. Um, what are your thoughts about it? And what are your thoughts about some of the issues that it seems to be having? Well, I definitely am interested in it because of the possibilities of playing certain titles I've never even tried before. Like, for example, the Lynx system. Mm -hmm. uh, back then, it was a little expensive to get. And also the titles were far and few between but it always had interesting takes on certain uh arcade titles that were were really popular back then like uh, i think they had paperboy and also a, a few uh original ones like blue lightning blue lightning actually is a it's kind of like an afterburner type of game and it looked interesting yeah. i really wanted I mean to try it but that one's really visually spectacular. Yeah. It gets a little boring after a while though. It just it doesn't have that same delightful Sega zip to it. I but understand. the one game that I had on the links that I really loved was the port of Road Blasters. Yeah. yeah that, that I wanted to try that too. And uh Zybots and I think they have a version of Rygar on the links. They do. It's more patterned after the arcade though than the NES one, but oh, I, I it's like still both. pretty yeah, it's it's it looks good on that screen. Yeah, and I never had yeah. a chance to get this portable, or so this would be a golden opportunity to try that as well as play it on the screen that actually is quite clear, quite bright, yeah. and it doesn't have washout. I think uh, mm -hmm. back in the day, you always had to worry about washout or blur because. Mm -hmm. I, I guess it is it refresh rate. I don't know, but it would make yeah, it feel the, like the LCD panel technology at the time very very slow. Yeah, yes, very very slow response time. So I, I mean that's one of the funny things now is with the analog pocket, like it's actually got modes that will mirror that slowness and like blur. Yeah, I watched the video now. Like <laughs> um, if you're playing old Game Boy games, there's modes because the Game Boy with the pixel blur could have sort of a pseudo transparency effect mm -hmm. and you can turn that on on the analog pocket so that you get that look. Cause if you don't turn it on and it's rendering like full quality, you don't get the, uh, you don't get the sort of pseudo transparency effect. Everything looks weird. Yeah. But I guess uh, that's cool to have if you're a masochist. I don't know how to pronounce masochist. <laughs> Aside from my lips. But you're Mexican. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I'm glad they left all that in because I think it's good. It's cool for... that they thought of all those things. So they probably there probably was a lot of testing. They were like, uh, "Whoa, this looks weird." Yeah, how do we make it look like the right way? Oh yeah, because it blurred so much. That's how it got the weird transparency effect. But but it does have some drawbacks right now, especially with the adapters uh most namely the game gear adapter that you have to buy separately. i heard it's like shredding the 
the uh, cartridge uh, label sticker label. Yeah. 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 I saw that. I was like, that's a bummer. And someone posted saying that on the first try, when they put it in, it damaged the label. And oh, that's not something that is easily replaced. <laughs> so, and if yeah, that's a big drag, especially considering how much extra time they had. Yeah. To to release the unit, you'd think that they would spend a little more time on those adapters, given like, especially Game Gear games are have just become like ridiculously collectible. That's yeah. nuts, dude. When we used to work at the you know at the used game shop, fucking couldn't even get rid of Game Gears. You remember? We'd have piles of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The collector's market's insane now. I can't believe how crazy retro game collecting is now. Like, I, I seriously look and go, what the hell just happened? I know. Yeah. I mean, I think any 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 one of us would be sitting on, like, a new car's worth of shit if we had, like, our 2001 collection. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. If I still had Ninja 5.0. Dude, I had, so I listened to that episode, Eddie, and I had that card mint in a box like back in the day. A bunch of the Me too. Really, really rare GBA cards I had. Yeah. Or like I was a huge, I loved the Game Boy Advance. I was a huge Game Boy Advance fanboy. Yeah, I mean, me you know, too. I bought, I bought your Afterburner one from you. Yeah, you did? Um, yeah. Oh, 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 you mean the modded one with the backlight? Yeah, I bought front light, I guess. One. Yeah. Wow. I, wow. I didn't know that. One. Yeah. Yeah. I bought it so, off of you. That's cool, man. I'm glad it, you know, went to. I don't like, longer have it. But I, I know. <laughs> so I got my Game Boy SP, I think, and then yeah. But, well, and those mods have also come such a long way. Oh, for sure. Like the little IPS screens you can get in those now are pretty ridiculously sweet. Yeah, I'm looking to get one for my Neo Geo Pocket Color. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, I have two systems right now two or three i don't remember but i love the neo geo pocket color and me too even though you can play it on the analog pocket i'm glad i still have my original hardware because i have one still and i have only one cart and that's snk versus capcom match the millennium it's in a box somewhere that's here (laughs) that that's yeah required required equipment definitely Mm -hmm. that that game is the best but you can't beat that clicky stick, though. Oh, that, no. That cannot sure. be replicated love, on the pocket. Dude, and pocket. there were some fun games on there. Um, the yeah. Metal Slug games on there, I loved them. They were different than the home Neo Geo ones, yeah. but they were still fun. There was a couple mm-hmm. other really cool games on that machine. It was a it was a great little machine. I loved it. And the screen, uh, you know, it wasn't backlit, but it reflected light really well. I never really yeah. had problems seeing it. It was yeah, way better than the Game Boy Color at the time. Oh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. whatever kind of whatever they had behind that or on the screen really picked up light really mm-hmm. well compared to the Game Boy Color. And the fighting games were phenomenal. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Not only SNK Sonic was Magic good on there too. Yeah. Yep. And uh, what other games were? Um, it's funny how there's like a really Unitron weird was tr- kind of fun. Yeah, Biomotor Unitron was cool. I had that was, one. There was a uh, really good version of Pac-Man on it too. Yep. Yeah, you needed that four-way gate though, which kind of broke easily. Right, and it was kind of funky to uh, put it on in the first place or take it out. But yeah, it was pretty fun. Crush Roller was not as fun 
I don't know no. if you played that, but I did, and I think I got rid of it not very long after I got it. I was like, eh, it's, it's kind of rare now, so of course, yeah. yeah, it's always those games, yeah. The ones that are not so good are always the ones uh-huh. that are always they're not so good, they don't sell well at retail, they dry up, and then next thing you know, they're like $400 on eBay, yeah. I think Crush Roller oh, yeah. is about 10,000 yen in oh Japan in box. I like Dark Arms. That was like a pseudo RPG on there. That yeah. one was fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, uh, now you can get those on Switch because of the Neo Geo Pocket Color uh, Archives Volume 1. I think it has oh. Dark Arms. Yeah. And then Falese. I don't know about the other. Yeah. Cotton. Cotton was good on there. Oh, I forgot there was a dive alert. I like dive alert. That was like that submarine RPG. That was fun. But uh, it's kind of off topic. But what I wish Nintendo Switch would do would make if they made like a special pair of Joy Cons that had the clicky sticks. (laughs) That would be be awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, because it's weird too. Because like that stick, the analog stick on it, like just. I know it doesn't feel the same at all, but physically it's similar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that could, that could be cool. It would be because if you think about it, if you outfitted two of those, like uh, you could play two player anytime you want, you just detach the joy cons, put the uh, tablet part on the counter, or you could play it at home on the big screen. And use those Joy Cons to play two player, even though the buttons are a little small. At least the, you get the clicky stick action, and yeah. And this is one of the reasons I love talking to you two gentlemen in particular, is because I know no matter how niche a thing I concoct in my brain, you guys will be <laughs> up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but analog pocket. I I would love to get one, and uh, hopefully. I could pre-order one eventually down the line, but just right now, like the first time they had pre-orders, I remember they sold out within less than 10 minutes and they had problems with bots kind of buying up all the reserves and they did better the second time around, but Mm -hmm. because of supply issues, I don't know if they're still taking pre-orders now, but basically they were saying there's three separate pre-order windows. I mean, I'm sorry, not, when uh pre-order windows but release windows mm-hmm. uh you would have one early 2022 the next one would be late 2022 and the last window would be next year so yeah i got in on the group that's like late 22 but yeah i mean whenever it comes that'll be awesome i mean i'm lucky that i've got a way to play most of those games with the mister right now yeah but um no man that's, but it's uh, always nice to play in its intended habitat, which is in your hands on the screen, and you can right. take it anywhere. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Go. I totally. Portable joy. Yeah, I would totally um, get it if I could. One thing that we all definitely love is the Virtue Fighter series. Yep. Oh, and yeah. very recently, there has been a lot of talk that the. What was essentially a marketing experiment with the release of Virtua Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown on the PlayStation 4 is apparently leading to something else. 
Now, we don't know what that something else is, and I know that Optimus in particular is still really hoping for a release of that Ultimate Showdown for the present Xbox Series systems. Yes. Um, let's get into some Virtual Fighter, man. Like, God, where do we even begin with this? Uh, the very beginning, or... <laughs> I remember... Uh... Well, with Virtual Fighter Five, when I came to Japan, uh, I think that was like year one or year two. I don't remember of Virtual Fighter Five being out in the arcades, and it was quite successful. Uh, there were even kiosks where you could actually watch replays from around the country, and also announcements on future VF5 tournaments and things like that. And it was really cool to not only watch people play the game, but also the kiosk was kind of like its own vert YouTube channel. Back mm -hmm. it, even before when YouTube was even doing stuff like this, it was pretty awesome, like, and ahead of its time. It yeah. would show, like, combos, like combo reels from popular players. And it would nice. record it, and it you would be able to see how people would do these combos, and it would do it in regular motion, and I believe in slow motion as well to kind of see how they did it and what they did. So, man, I I felt like it was the pinnacle uh, via five, and you know, it's kind of like how we as Street Fighter players were going through that drought between Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter 4. Mm -hmm. People who love Virtual Fighter are experiencing that drought right now until recently. Final right. Showdown finally coming out, kind of breathing a little bit new life into the series and getting new players into it and offering for it sure. free for a while. So that really helped bring up the interest again. And I hope they will bring out Virtual Fighter 6 because it's a shot in the arm that we badly need, especially with Japanese arcades here. We're mm -hmm. running out of stuff. I mean, right. nowadays because of COVID you're seeing these arcades kind of resorting to having more crane games and print club. Well, they've just got to make money period just to remain alive. So yeah. you can't really blame them for doing whatever it takes right now to, and the Take landscape low. has changed, yeah. Nowadays, I see uh, the only games that are being played at a decent level at the arcades are probably the Gundam versus games. Right. <laughs> and a few other games, like the uh, Rhythm games. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the game that looks like a washer and dryer, but <laughs> it's a... There's a few different Japanese cabs that resemble that. Yeah, but... Um, yeah. Recently, I, Optimus and I had taken to Xbox Live and fired up the existing VF5 Final Showdown. Yeah, the 360. From the 360. Compatible. It still works really well, and the netcode still pretty solid. Yeah, yeah I mean, th that's the thing. Is like, that game has such ridiculously strong art design Like that's just built upon you know these years and years and years of iterations of that game. Like, that game still holds up unbelievably well, even with that iteration, but, you know, upscaled to 4K. It looks beautiful still. 
It still know? works great. The lobby, it's still, I mean, I'm going to go on a slight rant about Japanese uh, fighting game design that game had a perfect lobby system like we can still play it we can get a quick we had a group we had like six people right mm -hmm. and we'd all just go match to match nobody got disconnected or anything everybody just playing we could watch each other's matches and it was a good time right recently you know trying to get into tekken 7 and soul caliber 6 their lobby systems are trash and you get disconnected all the time it's kind you of you were telling me that the online code for the Samurai and Showdown, Samurai Showdown is, is also bad. Atrocious. It's right. lag. So full of lag. Uh, like it's yeah. not even playable. It's honestly not playable at all online. I, it's it's bad. I it's heard the new bad. Guilty Gear is the same way. A lot of people Oof, are not liking the really? new lobby system. And they said it's not an improvement from the, the last Guilty one. Guilty Gear. But if it was it available for you. Xbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, I didn't know it was it wasn't available on Xbox. That's surprising. Nope. What what's no, up with Sony was, buying all the fighting Sony exclusive? My God, yeah. But but I would say the thing that is cause for hope right now, um, the word about the KOF fifteen beta thus far has been really positive. With rollback, and right? Apparently, mm -hmm, it has. It does have a rollback code. In addition to that, I think SNK is really looking to have something with a lot more support and much more robust online code because you have this enormous fan base for the King of Fighters throughout Latin America. And yeah. so if you were able to bring more of those players online, I mean, you could have more people playing KOF online than ever before yeah. in 2022. The, the dynamic uh, is shifting so quickly because I think, I mean, back in the day, it was mostly arcades. You would play mm -hmm. fighting games rarely at home. You would always have to travel to go to tournaments. And now because of COVID, mm -hmm. um, the best way to have a tournament online or to play with friends is online you can't mm -hmm. really meet up nowadays because of right. restrictions so i think if you can capitalize on that you're gonna be king of the mountain for as long as your game is popular and i think snk has that golden opportunity to lead the way and i hope mm -hmm. sega will take notice and really take it seriously with their net code hopefully yes. they'll have rolled back sega if you're listening and you want my money please port that new vf5 uh, <laughs> ultimate showdown to xbox so i can give you money they really I'd, need I'd to. Like to give you money yeah it's not even on pc yet either is it no no yeah. there's i guess there was it's doing really well and they're talking about it for um pc i would think it hopefully would be if synonymous. they're gonna do to pc it would be i mean same operating system right yeah Shouldn't... that's why right. i thought it'd be synonymous if you have pc why not have it on xbox yeah i mean same yeah. environment so hopefully they will listen because obviously like you know i'm i've always got money for vf <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean and it's always nice and... to have another option because like i said things are drying up now yeah. So you but apparently the response to VF five Ultimate Showdown, even just coming out on PlayStation, was so much better that they than they expected that 
there will be more coming down the pipe. Yeah. We obviously just don't know what form that's going to take, but hopefully, you know, they will take having an online presence seriously. And I don't know how you can do that without also having the franchise on Xbox. But anytime you have a new virtual fighter, they always set the, set the pace. They always raise the bar. And yeah. I love that. That's how, yeah. that's how it's always been. And Tekken was its main competitor. So they always tried to one up each other. But yeah, I think, uh, the, the, what's his name? Harada, uh-huh. the, uh, producer of Tekken nowadays he was yeah. saying yeah I miss that rivalry I hope they come back so yeah well that's the thing is that both um you know the SNK and Capcom dynamic and the Sega and Namco dynamic have not been the same for a very long time and all of those series thrived when they had like an yeah, active rival were, going when they had that friendly rival yeah, competition mm-hmm. brings out the best in all of us, I guess, right? Yeah. So I hope... And frankly, that's why I want KOF 15 to be fantastic, because I want Capcom go to go, oh, we got to do better. You yeah. Know? And also port SF6 to other consoles, please, for the love of God. But know? yeah, I think now that it's under new management, it's going to be a lot better, because the young blood, they're running the, the show in... Uh, Capcom nowadays with the Street Fighter series and for the latter part where uh, after their director Ono left it started becoming more transparent what they're doing to they they talked more with the public about okay we're going to do this we have a road map and we're going to just tell you exactly what we're going to do there's not going to be any shenanigans or like things that we're going to kind of tease you about we're just going to tell you exactly what we're going to do and people like that transparency and i Mm -hmm. hope they will continue to do that because i think especially for a fighting game community that is as strong as the street fighter community you need that sort of openness saying like okay we want to do everything we can to make this the best game and we're going to do it this way and we're not going to beat around the bush where this is how it's going to be. And we like your input and we definitely value your input. So yeah, I, I hope that'll, like I said, uh, this sort of environment where everyone is trying to do their best, it's going to bring out so many good games in the future. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just make everything cross-platform already. You know? Yeah. Stupid <laughs> Sony and their big bag of money. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so last but not least on the water cooler set of topics, um, John Madden died this week. Yeah. And that's wild because as gamers, I mean, it's kind of difficult to remember a time before Madden was this enormous presence in the world of gaming and skyrocketed the sega genesis to the home console of choice yep. yeah and big one spawned like mutant league football oh, <laughs> i was gonna talk about mutant league football oh, sorry but you can both talk about mutant league football. but yeah madden was a great series because madden himself he wanted the series to 
if it was if it was going to bear his likeness he wanted it to be realistic he didn't want it to be kind of like a a basic oh you're just gonna have players run around and do nothing while you just yeah go back and he was throw. also really adamant like when trip hawkins at ea was coming up with the series and he was talking about the eight on eight it's like a similar S- seven on seven seven yeah. on seven football rules and man's like no it's gotta be 11 on 11 yeah because and when they finally got that to work he was very excited yeah, yeah mm-hmm. because uh back in the day the computers that yeah they, they wanted they to couldn't release render it. that many sprites <laughs> or yeah the hardware couldn't move that many players all at once so I was going to say, I have very vivid and terrible memories of playing football on the Atari 2600. It's just like three, uh, yeah, three dudes. Hey guys, do, yeah, you, do you remember? I remember that. Do you remember 10-yard fight? Yes. I do remember oh I had 10-yard fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when every time you returned a kick, there was like nine guys around you in a, like a square while you are running? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. So Madden, I'm glad they were out there because, I mean, I was a Tecmo Super Bowl guy, and mm-hmm. that's yeah. a different type of style of football with more arcade, arcade style. style. Yeah. yeah, and that was fun in its own right. But I'm glad Madden was out because, like I said, the realism was its calling card, and I actually learned quite a bit about football by playing a few right. Madden games, especially actually there was this uh, iPhone uh, Madden mobile game that I used to play every once in a while. And not only did it teach you how to play the game in terms of controls, but it taught you the game of football. It taught you how to do certain plays and why uh, a running back would do this in a, in this type of play or wide receivers, why they run these routes. So it was very educational. It was like a interactive way to learn about football instead of just watching YouTube videos on uh, old football footage. So mm-hmm. it was really, I mean, state of the art, just a way to not only learn about football, but to do it interactively. So, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. Like, the the funny thing to think about with Madden is that mm-hmm. like I can actually remember a time when EA was just this really good software developer. Like I had a Commodore 64 growing up and they had like this thing called the pinball construction set that was really, really fun. And it was just this little kit where you could build your own pinball machine. And it had like really shockingly good physics for the time. And they made like a variety of games. They did like a Port of Marble Madness. They had some original titles for the Commodore 64 as well. And so it's weird to think of a time when like EA was just this awesome, plucky. Yep, they were a little upstart. Small company, developer. Yeah. And it was really Madden that kind of transformed them into the behemoth that we know today. Right, because that <laughs> led to the NHL series and their basketball series. And the, yeah, I remember I mean, Jordan versus Bird. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't as good well, on the NES, but on the computer, it looked uh, pretty good. Well, the Commodore 64, when that game first came out, it was Dr. J versus Larry Bird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so Jordan versus Bird was the sequel then. Yep. Wow. I, yeah. I forgot about the Dr. J game. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that was the first EA game I ever laid eyes on. Yeah. Was that Dr. J versus Larry Bird. And just like, it's kind of funny now to think about just like, just how unbelievably one dimensional that is as a game concept. Yeah. Funny. Like, hmm, if I'm playing Dr. J, I'm probably going to try and dunk it all the time. <laughs> if I'm Larry Bird, <laughs> I think I'm going to shoot from the perimeter all the time. Yeah. But, but heard... at the same time, like, you couldn't render 10 character sprites at the time. Yeah. So. But once it started coming out on systems like the Genesis, Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was amazing to play that three-point shootout. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I mean, it, it just all of EA's stuff was just a huge part of Sega Genesis becoming a viable competitor. Yeah, the Super NES here in the U.S. So they owe them a solid. They owe Madden a solid, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a shame though because as time went on, Madden. Even his likeness was never on the cover anymore or even in the game. It was more of a just a name. Right. And uh, hopefully they'll pay a huge tribute to him in the next iteration. You would think that would be coming for sure, like in some yeah. form. I would, I would wager next year, next uh, football yeah. season. But yeah, he, he will be missed. Uh, I loved his commentary uh, on TV. Uh, I because oh, yeah. of uh, my love of football, I used to watch football every Sunday and Monday, and he was the best in terms of commentary. He had a lot of terminology that was funny, like uh, the catchphrase "boom" and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> "turducken." Boom. You guys know what a turducken? Yeah. Is, oh yeah, right? dude, I love turduckens. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I never had one myself, but it was always nice to see how they made it. So part turkey, part duck, part chicken mm-hmm. for chicken. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> but R my good friend, Mr. Yep. Madden, one of a yep. kind. Yep. So one thing that we're doing this week, we'd also like to induct somebody into our oh god tier. Now, the last episode, we talked about Masayuki Uemura, who was the design brains behind the NES and Super NES. And, of course, you don't always want to wait until somebody passes to give them their props. I'm a big believer in heartbeat props. And the gentleman we would like to honor today is none other than Sega legend Yu Suzuki. Guys, where do we begin with Yu Suzuki? Dude, he's kind of like, not quite, but kind of like the Miyamoto of, of Sega, especially arcade Sega. I mean, his his innovative ideas brought Sega so many hit games that went from the arcade to the home that people know, like Hang On, Afterburner, Outrun, Virtua Fighter, Space Harrier. I mean, he had his hand in so many hit sega arcade games both uh you know and then that were eventually ported home mm-hmm. yeah he was he was definitely and then uh, eventually that led to him developing shenmue you know right 
Yeah. So what was your first encounter with a Yu Suzuki game, Mike? It was either Space Harrier or Super Hang On. Mm-hmm. And I think Afterburner would have been the, one of those three. Yeah. Those all kind of came out within a approximation of each other. But I think, I mean, the one that I fell in love with because it was at the Circle K right by my house was the stand-up, not the full, cool, sit-down, motion-controlled, but the stand-up Space Harrier machine. Something about that quirky game just got its hooks in me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I couldn't stop playing it. No, I know that's one that's been one of your favorites forever. Yeah, it's just got a whimsical, like weird fantasy charm, but high intensity like mm-hmm. shooting. It's just uh it's batshit crazy in a in a great way. Yeah, I always had the the Yu Suzuki titles always had that distinctive look and sound. And mm-hmm. you could totally pick that out. Like when you step in an arcade, you're like Oh yeah, that's Outrun, or oh yeah, that's Afterburner, and you make a beeline to one of those games. And he was he was always good at like pushing the technology. Like he was the one that pushed Sega into using those more advanced sixteen bit arcade boards. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned before, just the uh, the way they presented the games with the sit down, hang on, the motion that you experience with Space Harrier, the sit down cabinet and afterburner as well you was he one of the first that had those type of games in the arcade i don't remember i think hang on was the first right i think and i think that was his idea too to have the full sit-on version because he was obsessed with motorcycles yeah so so he's a revolutionary yeah so for those that have never seen one of these in the wild you know if you're less than 40 years old um the original deluxe hang-on cabinet was basically this giant red motorcycle that you would sit on and you would actually lean into the turns physically, you know, to correspond with the on-screen movement when you're trying to take a turn. Um, and yeah, it was absolutely like, it was a, it was a completely, you know, it, it caused so much, it drew so much friggin' attention to itself being in the arcade, I mean, I saw one at the uh, golf and stuff here in Tucson, and there was definitely, like, nothing else like that. I mean, that was really, really bizarre um, and cool. And that's definitely a thing that his games just have this strange, like, there's an emphasis on speed. There's an emphasis on primary colors. Um Really There's like just this sort of sunshiny aesthetic gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and don't I mean, forget the music. Probably by, the first, yeah. The music was all great. Who who was the musical artist in? Uh SST band. You're right. Yeah. I, I actually got to see them live. They they went under the name Blind Spot and they had well, they're not no longer uh, a band anymore. They uh, disbanded but they always could bring uh, bring uh, you know they go- could always come back but yeah they had uh live performances in osaka and tokyo and mm-hmm. i was lucky to go to two or three of them and it's amazing right. to listen to them live but yeah i mean sst band uh sega sound team band yeah the, the it that's like i said when you go in the arcade you can't can't miss that music 
It's definitely mm-hmm. part of the experience. And yeah, Yu Suzuki, he was the the guy who orchestrated all this efforts to make such a great experience in the arcade. And yeah, it, it can't be duplicated. I, I bet you anything if anyone found one of these sit-down arcade cabinets. Like, I'm lucky I live next to, not next to, but five minutes away from a retro arcade that has sit-down afterburner and outrun. Yeah. So I, I do it once in a while. It's <laughs> like 300 yen a, a play, but I don't care. I like yeah. Yeah, I, I just love it, it, it. You can't do that at home, and it's still yeah. a fun experience. I also like the fact that he would take something that was an idea and just fully explore it and turn it into a game. Like he got obsessed with motorcycles, and then it was Hang On, and then he was in Europe and saw Ferrari, and that became Outrun, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Top Gun comes out, and he's like, "Oh my god, we got to make an F fourteen game because this movie just blew me away." <laughs> and, and so they yeah. made Afterburner, which was, I mean, dude, that game was. I remember when I first saw the Afterburner cabinet; it was the full motion cabinet. It was the first one I ever saw. I was like, "What is this?" And the music, yeah, yes. we were talking about that. The music was amazing. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so awesome!" It yeah. was so it fitting to each game. Off. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when. Uh, like the next big leap, I mean, he had he did a couple other things, but when I first saw Virtua Fighter, it wasn't really the graphics, even though it was the first game to be like in the arcade with a fully rendered 3D polygon sweep, but they were flat shaded. They weren't super impressive. I had already seen Doom on PCs, and to me, like that looked better to my eyes because of textures. But it was the fact that Virtua Fighter had real martial arts moves in a fighting mm-hmm. game for the first time. And I was like, whoa. I was like, this is cool. I was really into it. And uh, yeah, that motion capture was so impressive yeah. at the time. Like nothing else was doing that. Not at all. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, Shenmue, which that, that genre, st- I, I still think he's the grandfather of that genre. Like GTA, Grand like, Theft Auto, sort of the open open world adventure RPG kind of genre. Yeah, uh, so I mean, much... I don't know. He might have he might have supercharged it, but I think that genre really was kind of around on the PC for a long time. It just didn't look as good. Yeah, as when but, he got into it. Yeah, and I liked his ideas from the beginning, where people would come out at certain times and you wouldn't see them if you were there at like four in the afternoon compared to like eight in the morning. They yeah. would be at different places at different times. And I remember right. uh, our mutual friend Mark showed me uh, uh, this uh, special that they had on Shenmue where they detailed like every uh, some things about Shenmue and they showed one character, like non-playable characters uh, routine every day saying like mm-hmm. oh they this old lady would be at this shop at this time yeah the fact be at that the they park. would program yeah. that in the game is insane yeah <laughs> so way ahead of its time i that's why i like shinmu even though it wasn't well received uh it wasn't as popular as it should have been i mean it wouldn't the yakuza series series would not be where it was where it is now without shinmu right I think I know Yakuza is definitely like the it's the recipient of all that was learned from trying to create those games initially. Yeah. Like Yakuza definitely benefited from all of that. Just sort of took it in a slightly saucier direction, but I've 
the, the roots are there though thoroughly. absolutely yeah but yeah I mean, it's sad not the that... least in which because you can play all of those Yu suzuki games in yakuza so yeah <laughs> What what has he been doing nowadays besides I I mean Yu Suzuki uh, obviously is not working at Sega anymore and right he did release Shenmue three finally I didn't right. get to play that game yet but I heard it was okay I mean it's hard to make that into a big success when you're you know crowdfunding it so I heard it it was okay but because of the financial restrictions it wasn't as grand scale as the previous Shenmue games, but yeah. Do you know any of you guys know? I don't honestly know what he's up to these days. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. It's a shame. I I hope that he's working on another project right now, but yeah. Yeah. I think if he were to stop today, if he were to stop today, I think his legacy is definitely going. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's always going to be there. He's one of the best, in my opinion. No, he has definitely left his stamp on the industry. Um, With that, we are going to take an identification break. You are listening to Oh God, It Hurts on the Ruminations Radio Network. Hey, kids, it's Don Shinhan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. And we're back. Whoop. Hey, hey, Mikey. Yo. Can I I tell you... uh, do you remember that time when we were playing Virtual Fighter 2 at our mutual friend Sebastian's house and you got that joystick that had the dome on it? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. I, I, I talked about that in a previous episode. Do you remember <laughs> that? The yes, you did yes. the dim mock. Can, can you? Can, uh, how did you do that? <laughs> do you remember? I was mad, dude. What were we, we were playing? Were we playing Virtual Fighter or were we playing Tekken? You're playing Virtua Fighter 2. Okay. I remember yeah, you're playing. Remember. We we I just was... got uh somebody just got that game. And you were trying maybe it, it out. Maybe it was Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was Sebastian. I think I just got the stick. Yeah, I you got the stick from, that day. From Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we tried it out and you were playing it with your stick. And I remember you lost to the computer. And you had this kind of look on your face where you're like looking like you were biting your lip and you just slammed your palm onto the dome part of the stick and it made a loud sound. And then suddenly it didn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> broke the board. <laughs> yeah, you didn't break the outer casing, but for no, some... I broke the board inside. Because remember I took it apart. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> that, was like, that was like some blood sport stuff right there, man. You just... <laughs> Like you broke what it was in the middle, but not the outer part. That was amazing. Yeah, and it, like I returned lane. it to Best Buy and just told them it stopped working. And since there was no <laughs> physical damage, they were out of sticks, and they just gave me store credit. I bought something else. <laughs> I just wanted to see. Oh God, if it you're hurts. <laughs> that was one of the best stories I've ever had about you. Just, yeah. I just wanted to see if you remembered it. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, I remember that. 
I'm glad you brought that back up, Ed, because you did discuss that on the last episode when we were talking about <laughs> things we've done in video games that we're slightly ashamed of. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that was the classic. That was a neat stick. It worked. It was an ASCII stick and it worked on Saturn and PlayStation. I was so excited to have a writing stick (laughs) that that worked on both. Yeah. (laughs) Was. Was. Yeah. Was. That's good. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to slide into the now playing segment. Um, Mikey, why don't you lead us through your recent adventures with Halo Infinite? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing, I've been playing a few games, but yes, I uh, Halo Infinite came out and I played all of the flights, which was their term for the betas for the multiplayer. And oh, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't too impressed. For a game that was delayed a year, I was not impressed with the multiplayer. The graphics were well done, mm-hmm. but the lack of variety in the maps. And as somebody who thoroughly enjoyed Halo 5, mm-hmm. I was disappointed that they took away all my movement options. Halo 5 made the Spartans like super Spartans. Like they were badass. You could boost, you could dash, you could jump, you could power slam. Like you mm-hmm. felt like a super powered space marine soldier okay um what they've done and i understand why they did this for game balance reasons they uh they took it back to sort of halo 3 where now you can get those power-ups but they're or you can get those moves but they're now a power-up you can get one you can either get a boost or you can get a shield you can get a grappling hook which i really like i really like that perk um but you move, and they also cut the movement speed down a lot, which, again, I understood why they did it for balance. But it was just kind of one of those things where it's like they pulled the rug out from underneath me. Um, I know the Halo community at large was kind of bitching about that, and they wanted it to play like, quote-unquote, classic Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always felt like if a game doesn't evolve, it's just going to die. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's okay, the multiplayer. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. If you invited me, if I was playing Halo Infinite and somebody else invited me to go play Halo 5, I would probably go play Halo 5. Okay. Um, the Does campaign, the game continue to retain, like, a fairly large player base to this point? Like, you know I, have that- no, I know the numbers on Steam have gone way down, but that's not really indicative of anything because people on Steam are really finicky and fanatical so right um they have slowly put in a couple more maps into the multiplayer my biggest complaint with the map design is they all have the same kind of look and the same kind of textures Mm. whereas halo 5 the at least the 4v4 5v5 maps were all really varied and well designed these maps all kind of look a little generic and a little like all the same mirrored texture um kind of look to them mm. and, uh the big team battle currently is kind of broken like it you can get into a game and then it seems like when you go to the next match it kind of just puts you in an infinite searching loop and then you can't play again and you got to kind of kill the game and restart it and that's just one of these things with with quote-unquote modern gaming that's frustrating is when there's these kind of connection issues and 
when you're a busy like person who's working and has kids and you only have like maybe a couple hours in your whole day to grab some halo like when you spend 45 minutes looking for a match that's really like just it grinds, it grinds my gears yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> like gears of war oh dude <laughs> that's that's a topic for a whole nother episode um oh <laughs> i beat i finished the campaign um i really like the campaign it's sort of to me it feels like they were trying to pull uh an episode seven of star wars are kind of doing like this soft reboot thing where they're trying to bring it back to that classic halo feel we're back on a ring i feel like their main idea was taking the mission from the original halo silent cartographer and just making one giant game out of that which is kind of what they've done you land on this ring um, the first couple missions are really linear till you get to the ring. And then once you get to the ring, you have options. It's semi-open world. You can capture these bases to get extra Marines and guns. You can look on the map to get Spartan cores, which allow you to upgrade the powers that you have, like boosting your shield strength, getting a better grappling hook, um, things like that. If you want to, you can just plow through the missions. I did some of the side missions, and then once I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm kind of burned out on this, I just I just focused on the story missions. And and uh, once you hit a certain story mission, like probably the fourth to the last one, you can kind of just, just plow through the rest of the game, which is what I did. Um, story was good. Graphics on the Series X, amazing. Like, it just it looks phenomenal. If I had any complaint is that we're kind of stuck in this one ring with this one look. So there's no like snow, there's no like tropical area. There's no, everything is just this kind of foresty green hillside ring or shiny chrome corridors of the ring. There's not a lot of variety there, but the core gameplay is really good. The music's solid. The graphics are amazing. Um, The story... It's kind of confusing because it's like they jumped a big time gap between because Halo 4 came out and that was the start of the Reclaimer trilogy. I li- I liked that game a lot. Not a lot of people did. I thought it was great. 5 came out and the multiplayer was good, but the story was a hot mess. And I think mm. with this, they're trying to clean up that mess of 5. And so there's a big time skip. And I think there's supposed to be some books that fill in that. But I feel like why... I don't like it when they make the game, the gamers suffer the narrative because they want to fix stuff and we've got to read a bunch of books to get it heads up. There should have at least been like maybe a little five minute, like here's what happened synopsis, which they didn't include. Maybe they'll do that later. Um, Right. Overall though, the game is good. It's really good. If you have a series X and you have game pass, you should definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so in I, in the realm of Halo games, where does this rank? Like in the middle? Not not in my top three. Okay. Uh, it's good. It's I mean, the campaign is better than five. I'll say mm-hmm. that at least gameplay wise, story wise, or uh, gameplay and story wise. I'd say visually, five had more variety and more fun. Five, it was almost like with five, they were trying to do almost like an action movie thing they had too many characters and it it was fun but i can see why they went they scaled it back down to 
basically just the chief in this game. And that was like a complaint in five, because in five, it had the dual story like Halo two did. Mm. So. Always um, risky. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, visually, this is probably the best Halos looked outside of the Halo two uh, anniversary edition or Halo five. Mm. Uh, the series X really gets to flex its muscle with this game. It, it looks great. It controls good. Do you think it needed uh, more time in the oven, as I always like to say? Yeah, you know, here's the funny thing. That game was supposed to come out at the launch of the Series X, and they first showed it at that E3 2020, and it looked really weak. And I remember when I saw it, I was like, this this is our launch title. This looks terrible. Like, I couldn't believe how what it looked like. It looked really bland. And I wasn't the only one. Tons of people, like, pretty much bash them right on their YouTube channel. So they, they baked it for another year and it looks way better. And I think it suffered from a lot of rewrites and a lot of designer changes. I know the lead designer left and they brought Joseph Statton back in who helped work on Halo two and three. Yeah. Um, and we also worked on destiny one. So yeah, they I, got him back. I think that helped a lot. I, I mean, it had an extra year to bake. I think that really helped the campaign. I have no idea why the multiplayer is as weak as it is after an extra year. Like, I, I, I can't fathom why there's not 20 4v4, 5v5 maps. Uh, even if they were remakes of classic Halo maps with different locations, like, it's just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what their multiplayer team's doing. Yeah, that would still be better than not having that content at all. Yeah, there's like the first week the game came out, there was only like four or five maps total. And it was like, really? These maps were all in the, the, you know, flights. Um, You know, hopefully they'll they'll clean that up. It's not my go-to for PvP, though, for sure. Like, I'm not not feeling it in that Mm. aspect at all like I used to. And it it, it actually kind of hurts. For me to say that, because oh god, man, it hurts. When, oh god, yeah, it hurts. When Halo Five came out, I played that shit nonstop for, I mean, for a year straight, right. easy, if not longer. Hmm. No, I mean you're definitely like the Halo stalwart amongst all of my friends. And so. that is all your fault, sir. Flash <laughs> back to December yes. two thousand one. Uh-huh. When you got the original Xbox with Halo. Some jerk had an Xbox and a couple of Dukes. <laughs> yeah, and you were like, well, you were the one that was like, I don't know, this is going to be really good. And I was like, nah, man, no, nah, I'm sticking with Sega. Like, I just, you know, I you know what, dude. man? It's so funny. Now that I realize it, I played the demo for that. At E3, at, right? No. I played that. I, I, I didn't see it at E3 that year. Oh, I don't okay. think I actually went that time. Or no. I think in the summertime, now, if you remember, if you've seen like recent videos about Halo, like the end crunch on making that game retail ready yeah, was fucking bananas. crazy. Yeah, it's so on that Xbox. It was not it was playable crazy. Right. at E3. There it was, was just, but it was garbage. It was, well, there was really bad. I just remember seeing the, the console itself, and I was like, that thing is enormous. No thanks. You know? And of course, at the time, I was still very much like in power Dreamcast fanboy mode. But there was an Xbox kiosk at Mitch's Software, etc. at the Elcon Mall. 
And I looked at it and I just remember being impressed with it visually. And then when I started playing it, like I hated the buttons on the Duke, but the level of feedback with those big, fat, gnarly triggers and the way that game felt just like lit up this center of my brain that had previously not really been lit up. Like, yeah, well, I they, tried they to get into Goldeneye. That, right. They were the ones that figured out how to map first person controls onto a controller and yep. actually make it feel good. Mm-hmm. So like, and honestly, like I was shocked by that. I was just like, wow, like this game is really good and I need to spend more time. Like that was all I knew, you know? And yeah. so when I got it home and then the first time I played through the silent cartographer and it was just the first time that like on a console game, you really felt like you were just in this crazy wide open space and like the aliens are flying in from really high above on the ghost units. I mean, it was just like, you know, it was a very vivid moment of discovery, you know? So yes, your, your love of Halo is absolutely my fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause after I played it, I had to, I was like, Oh my God, I need an <laughs> Xbox. Plus uh, right after that is when Sega fell apart and then they announced mm-hmm. they were making Xbox games. And so I was like, all right, I'm getting one of these. And we were so primed for it because like, that game takes so many fucking design cues from aliens. And oh, we were the yeah. biggest alien whores around. Well, we were the only two people in Tucson that had the Aliens Laserdisc Collector's Edition. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so when I heard the grunts chatter the way they do, and I saw the dropship and the warthog, I mean... And Sarge. And, it's yeah, just, it's just easy, yeah, no, no. easy pickings, man. I mean, we were just... You know, we were waiting to stumble into that and just be like, oh, my God. Yeah. As you mentioned before, just right now, uh, basically, before that, we had stuff like GoldenEye and Perfect Dark, and they felt like a stutter fest. It didn't feel natural. Sometimes I had a hard idea. I didn't know what was going on because it was just choppy. But then you had a lot of angry people with you, Ed. Uh, I, I I'm with Eddie. I, I I never. Uh, yeah, I couldn't cotton to gold either. I really I, couldn't. I, I no. knew. I like the idea of it because I love James Bond, but playing the game made me want to throw up. It was like horrible. Yeah, right. I remember <laughs> watching both uh, of those games. Yeah, you were saying. Oh, I remember watching Jeff and Sebastian and other people playing GoldenEye competitively, and. I just felt like, especially with the four players on one screen, with screen, it, it was, was like just running at ten frames a second. Yeah. Uh, right. I was like, "What's the fun in this, man? I don't even, I can't even control it. I, I just felt like it was something that it was a nice concept, but it was just in terms of performance, it wasn't there yet. But then when Halo come out, it was, I was just too much game that for already. that piece of hardware. Yeah, I was already ruined by the PC by that point for those kind of games that, like, Golden. I was like, I can't play this. Yeah, I remember seeing Half-Life running on your rig at your house. 
And I was just like, damn, now that's what I'm talking about. Right. Kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I, yeah, we, I guess, you know, we all share that, that, you know, GoldenEye, despite it being this four player phenomenon for a lot of people, like just, it wasn't until Halo came along that I really got bitten by the FPS bug. Yeah. And speaking of the FPS bug. Yeah. Daddy, I hear that uh, you've been uh, having a little voyage of discovery of your own. Yeah, I actually got Quake recently. And uh, I never got to play Quake back in the day because my computer sucked. Um, Oh, God. So I remember uh, Optimus, he was a big FPS guy, and he was the guy that always played Quake and Doom and back in the day and always told me, hey, you got to play this someday, man. And I was like, my computer. Like, yeah, barely runs solitaire. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally experienced it for the first time just a couple of weeks ago. And I've had a lot of fun. Like I I used to play a lot of Wolfenstein 3D. And that brought mm-hmm. back memories even- like Quake feels like a very, you know, very polished version of Wolfenstein back in the day. And finding all these secrets and the playability, man, it it controls really well on Switch, Uh, especially with the, uh, you can aim with your uh, pro controller, kind of like how you do with Splatoon 2. So they really fine-tuned it so that you have a lot better aim for a guy that, I mean, you can't use a mouse and keyboard, obviously, but it, in terms of gameplay, yeah, it's pretty solid. And I just like how you can run around a level, explore, have fun and kill things. And just, it's very cathartic. And I can see why now that this game was so popular back in the day. Yeah. I love, I love this version. I, I, I'm glad I got it. And I also got doom 64 just recently. Oh yeah. 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 So it do both of those ports. I have those both on the Xbox. I yeah. just love that classic sort of semi like puzzle solving mm-hmm. map design of those that, that's what FPS i like about games. it too yeah and uh i gotta there's get such back a to weird one. yeah there's such a weird purity to those games like it's just about moving and shooting and figuring out your way to the next thing and it it doesn't have all this like kind of pseudo cinematic baggage or all these scripted things that happen. Like it's just about moving and killing stuff and finding cool things. And And the, uh, the evolution of the puzzles from like doom doom was basically a 2d hack that looked 3d, but you couldn't look up or down. And then in quake looking up and down, like the puzzles are like underwater, they're up in ceilings, like they're Mm -hmm. firing the grenade launcher and bouncing it off a wall to hit a switch, like crazy stuff like that. It just, it, you get kind of addicted to finding the puzzles or how to get all the hidden stuff. I know sometimes I finish the level and I'm like, God, I didn't get a hundred. Damn it. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I feel like right now. That's why I'm taking it nice and slow. But I know there's so many episodes that it's gonna take me probably years to if I wanted oh, to, to get all of them. Yeah, probably. Yeah, with all the secrets. Try and but, find all the Easter eggs. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, I just discovered the crazy vertical level. Yeah. Um whole new dimension, one. literally. Mm-hmm. 
but no. yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, I, I will play Doom 64 soon. I haven't, I just got it yesterday, so I haven't had time to play it yet. But yeah, out of I'm, the two, I love Quake, but man, Doom 64 is really so good. Really? Yeah, yeah. That I do. I would say, in my opinion, Doom 64 is the better game. It's definitely scarier. Holy crap. Oh, wow. <laughs> do you rec- I, I remember playing Doom 3 on my old laptop back in the day. Uh, yeah, I never got to finish it, but that was kind of freaky. Do you, do you recommend playing that? Was a that? slower Doom Three was definitely more of a slower horror burn, like closer to something like Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Doom yeah. sixty four is more of the classic, like everything. It's still about opening up a door and then just getting chased by a bazillion yeah. things, yeah, and yeah. scurrying the fuck out of there and trying to kill them all. To be honest, I prefer that. Yeah, yeah, just straightforward. But I after playing like after recently going back and playing through because they re-released all the Doom games on on the Xbox, trying to play Doom three again was hard. It's yeah. so slow and different now. And but I can play Doom one and Doom two and Doom sixty four and Doom twenty sixteen. I do not care for Doom Eternal. Uh, really? Not, Why not? Not digging that game. They took the formula of Doom and decided let's add some crazy, ridiculous vaulting jump puzzles all over the game and it just gets old real quick and i was like this is fucking annoying like it's less about and also the way you get ammo in that game i I know that john lennerman from digital foundry was way into it but i couldn't i couldn't do it it just it just broke the doom formula for me in a way that i can't enjoy the game yeah it's sounds a lot like uh most other games that i mean being a fan of certain types of games like fighting game or something where they add like a little thing that they add some crazy new system that just sort of breaks what made the original good yeah and sometimes it can accentuate the game or sometimes it can break the game and make it feel like oh it's too overpowered or oh it's a gimmick and nobody likes it and then oh well i guess we gotta kind of improve it on the next iteration or get rid of it altogether but yeah that's i guess what it sounds like hopefully people at id will take notice and maybe change that for the next doom game if they ever make one but yeah um, i'm hoping they're working on a new quake game yeah. with this quake coming out with the anniversary of quake i have a feeling their next title will be a new quake game that would be sweet but it would be yeah but i've been playing that and uh, playing a little bit of, uh, I mentioned last time, Hot Shot Racing. I recommend that still. Oh, yeah, um, I have that. <laughs> I yeah. have it on the Xbox. Yeah, it's fun. I like it. Uh, definitely, if you like Daytona or Virtual Racing, yeah, definitely play yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, also, I, I have to admit, uh, Centipede Recharged, I gave it a second try. And I've been loving it a lot more now, even though I still have its, you know, it still has its drawbacks there are some things i wish that they kept from the original onto this version to make it uh how should i say more fair because sometimes when i play the game i feel like i died because it's it's out of my control it's like you're heavily dependent on power-ups to get far in the game if you don't get the power-ups from the spiders then you're not going to get too far it's going to be pretty difficult to advance but i also got the other two recharged games uh black widow 
recharged and asteroids recharged. Black Widow recharge gets really hard really quick. So if you don't mind that, it's a fun game. I remember it wasn't but any good at the original either. <laughs> the original was a unique game because yeah. it it had a unique theme. Uh there was a uh, a lot of obstacles like and enemies that you had to avoid and it, it was one of a kind. I highly recommend playing either the original arcade or recharged because it's mm-hmm. just something that you won't experience in many other games, especially twin stick games. But Asteroids Recharge, I highly recommend. That game nice. is very polished. It it's their latest one that came out two weeks ago. And I feel like if I die in that game, it's my fault, 100% my fault. And that's how a game should be. It's, yes. it's got to be fair. It's got to be, you, can, you don't need the power-ups to get, do well in that game, but, but it can help. But yeah. if you don't have the power-ups, uh, you'll be fine. As long okay. as you know, okay, the UFOs that come, some shoot at you, some don't. So you you gotta yeah. work on your placement. You gotta and you gotta have the strategy to know when to thrust and when to stay put and shoot. And it's fun. I nice. I think it's on Switch, Xbox. It's on pretty much all the systems. Yeah, yeah. I think and so. I think it's on sale for six bucks now nice. on on Switch at least for US. So, but yeah. Definitely no, I would be motivated to try that because I definitely, I definitely love the original Asteroids. That was one of the first yeah. shoot 'em up games where I was just like, "Oh, like this feels really good." Yeah, Ooh. it definitely feels like. I I mean, it's kind of like uh, I don't know if Asteroids Deluxe. Uh, it doesn't really change the. Back in the day, they had Asteroids Deluxe, and it didn't change much of the original formula, but it made it more fun. Like it gave you a, little, mm-hmm. a few more options, but. Yeah, this game is like basically asteroids, but with power ups and feels better when you move around. And yeah, I think we, yeah, give it a try. I think you like it. But nice. yeah, that's what I've been playing. How about you? Uh, um, Six Button Samurai. <laughs> well, I've been continuing on my sort of unfinished business tour. Um, I've been in the middle of playing through Super Mario RPG. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that was a game that back when it came out, like I played a lot of Square's other JRPGs, and I don't know, like to me it seemed like a chocolate and peanut butter combo that I wasn't especially thrilled about because I loved Mario games, I loved JRPGs. That one seemed a bit odd to me, and it just didn't grab me whatsoever. But going back to it now, it really is like a nicely crafted sort of distillation of what makes both things really interesting and charming. Like, you know, it clearly understands, like, the sort of charm of, like, the Mario universe and the way those characters are. Um, and it's got a great soundtrack. Um, that's the same composer that did all of the music for Street Fighter 2. Really? Um, wow. Did the soundtrack for Super Mario RPG. Wow. So 
it's really charming, but it's actually quite different, um, obviously, than anything in SF2. But I've been enjoying that game a lot, um, you know, but I've also continued to spend some more time, a uh, little bit more time with Quake. Um, I've also started up playing uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Ooh. I've got a new gaming monitor that I'm trying to put through its paces. And that game really makes a pretty wonderful argument for games running at 120 frames per second. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've been meaning to get that on Switch, uh, both games. Uh, yeah. I guess they're on sale right now, so maybe I'll pick it up later. But yeah, I heard great nothing but great things about Ori. Yep. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. So now we're going to slide into the big question. And since there are three of us today, we have a triple-decker question. Optimus, I want you to start us out. What made you happy from the world of gaming in 2021? How do you think the console wars are shaping up in 2022? And if you could have any game materialized from your inner fantasy life in 2022, (laughs) what would it be? Oh, my Lanta. So what made you happy in 2021? You know what I probably played the most and had so much fun with, and it came out at the end of of 2020, uh, just as the Series X dropped, um, we got, uh, and our our mutual buddy in California is one of the lead designers on this game, and that was Black Ops Cold War. And God, I played the fucking shit out of that game because the story was great for the campaign. It brought brought us back to the Cold War era of the black ops games instead of the future tech stuff that they had tried. Um, so I love that the multiplayer, lots of fun. The Treyarch team makes my favorite multiplayer in that series. And then the, my favorite mode is the zombies mode, which our buddy mm-hmm. Mark is the designer, one of the designers on And God damn it. It was like crack. I couldn't put that game down. I played it a lot. A lot. Awesome. I don't even want to share how many hours I dumped <laughs> in that game. Um, had so much fun doing the the Easter egg quests on the zombies maps can be really intense and really fun. And when you finally like beat it, you're like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Uh, that was a ton of fun uh, from the world of gaming. That's pretty much probably my most played game of 2021. I mean, there was some other stuff, but that's what I, that's what I would go to on a nightly basis was. You still play it now? You know, I haven't been, I haven't touched it much lately because I've been playing the new one. Uh, I've been playing Vanguard. Uh, mm. But it's funny you say that because today I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back and play some Cold War for a minute. But um, then I got distracted by something else. Um, console Wars, I mean, really, I don't, I mean, do we really have a console war anymore? Nintendo does what Nintendo does, and and everybody that loves Nintendo is happy with that, and they print money, so they're mm-hmm. good. I think you don't even. I don't think Nintendo's even worried about any of that. They've got their niche, and they're good. The battle seems to be between you know Sony and Microsoft for the living room. Right now, the machines are pretty neck and neck as far as like spec wise goes. Mm-hmm. They're pretty. They're almost identical. Um, I think that. Microsoft's Game Pass solution has really, really done well, and I think it's gotten a lot of gamers to to uh, 
check out Xbox uh, for something different. And I think Phil Spencer over there at Xbox trying to like mend bridges and get Japanese publishers on board is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think Sony's just got such a strong fan base and they've got a lot of strong titles, a lot of strong first party stuff that they, they don't really have anything. Where I think it's going to be like a neck and neck kind of a war. I don't really see, I don't see a clear cut winner uh, this gen between those two. You know, it's funny that you mention it, but in Japan, Apex Legends has become the number one game right now. Yeah, man, I, Over I Fortnite, I even. I wish I could get it. I tried. I And I love Respawn. <laughs> the guys made Titanfall. I tried to get into Apex. And I love Battle Royales. I cannot get into that game. But it's crazy. So many people are playing that right now. It's always I trending don't like on a, Twitter here. Yeah, I don't like class-based arena kind of. Yeah, shooter type games that have a class based system, and I I really don't like the weapons in that game. They don't yeah. feel right to me. say Team Fortress never really did it for you, did it? I used to play a lot of Team Fortress. Yeah, uh, oh. yeah. I used to play a lot with the Bookman's crew with with Ed and Zane and those guys. Mm-hmm. But then Counter Strike came out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, as far as okay, and this, any game. Any game, anything. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Capcom SNK three. I said it. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh. Well, you know we're both gonna go along with that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my dream. Oh my god, Capcom SNK three, like running on that new KOF engine that that SNK is doing maybe that'll be the bridge maybe that's the game that gets that going because that's the thing I mean KOF when I look at KOF 15 just visually to me it screams like it screams the palette of those later Neo Geo games oh. I mean it feels much more like real about two or Garo just by virtue of the palette especially real about two recently yeah, yeah so good mm-hmm. well, so good I, I think uh, CVS 3 is still a possibility because I read uh, an article on CVS 2 on Polygon.com and there were some of the old developers that talked about that game. Uh, they were saying, yeah, before I leave Capcom or before I leave SNK, I'd like to get CVS 3 off the, out the door. Um, oh, so who knows? Oh, I mean, man. with... Oh, man. <laughs> With uh, <laughs> with uh, SNK versus Capcom match of the millennium, uh, people thought that wasn't going to come out, but now it's out. The old Neo Geo Pocket game, the fighting game, it came out on Switch, and I believe it's on Steam as well. I don't know about PS4, yeah, but yeah. I bought it to support it. I did too. I double dipped because I still have my original cart and my. <laughs> I would buy it if they released it on Xbox, but so far it's not on there. Yeah, but <sighs> the will. demand is there. I hope yeah. they bring it, bring it out. It's not too late. All right, Eddie. Yeah. T- take tee off on this triple decker. All right. What made you happy from the world of gaming in 2021? It would be Pac Man '99. That came out <laughs> nice. of the blue. Yeah, it's on Switch. Uh, if you're familiar with Tetris 99, they made Pac-Man a Battle Royale game. And when that came out and I tried it, oh my God, it's so much fun. It, it's the basic Pac-Man formula, 
but they changed a few things to make it fun for a 99 player battle royale and it's it make it, it's actually pretty solid like it from the very beginning uh it felt very 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 fair like uh it it's funny how they had it where you press the d-pad and the i believe the face buttons to change like your style and also mm-hmm. your power-ups so you can either focus on speed well, it's almost like you've got a loadout right yeah that it basically gives your your pack certain characteristics yeah or it can increase your ghost chain like uh mm-hmm. it it made it it, it it was so well designed. I just played it for months and I I haven't played it in recent times because uh, I got to fix my pro controller. Um, mm. That game demands finesse. I mean, it demands a uh, pinpoint accuracy because I think with pro controllers from Nintendo, I, I think it's well documented that the D pad is a little bit iffy because the contacts on the, from the pad they don't register so you'll Mm -hmm. often like if you hit left right left right it'll sometimes register up and when you're playing pac-man especially when you have to have good timing that'll Mm -hmm. screw you up especially as you go faster during the game so uh that's why right now i'm not playing it but i plan to get back into it again before the uh pac-man championship edition uh, that's part of the Pac-Man Museum Plus collection that comes out later, uh, early this year. Will come nice. out, and I'll be playing that too. Yay! So <laughs> I love and that. What's game. your take on the console wars, Eddie? Well, uh, as you know, I'm uh, right now focusing on Nintendo Switch, and I feel like 2021, with the exception of Metroid Dread, which I still need to play. Um. They didn't have as many big titles as they had in years past. Like uh, two years ago, it was Animal Crossing. And well, that mm. sold like hotcakes. And obviously the uh, sales continued uh, throughout this past year. But we need to have some AAA titles come out uh, this year. Hopefully Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, mm. Splatoon 3 is scheduled to come out, which... I love Splatoon. Uh, right. Gotta, gotta get it if you're a Switch fan. It's one of the best single-player and multiplayer FPS games on the system. Highly recommend that. Yes. And uh, Bayonetta 3, if it comes out, yeah, it'll be a yeah. yeah, it'll be a bumper crop of a year if they do that, those three games. But that's my opinion. Nintendo's got to do this because uh, the supply chain problems they're going to affect switch sales with the systems being uh harder to get although there's already an established user base that's pretty you know in large numbers um with that high user base you got to get them uh still in your camp otherwise if you don't have any good titles that are coming out this year they're going to go elsewhere sadly enough uh, even mobile phones or you don't want that definitely you want to keep your audience so hopefully though they'll uh, bring out those titles and uh, the third one if i could speak it into existence uh i have to cheat a little 
Darkstalkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Talk about a drought. I mean, you think VF is bad. The Virtual last thing bad? released was that was that Darkstalkers anniversary on 360 and PS3. Like, right, Darkstalkers yeah. Resurrection. Yeah, that was the last thing ever released, and it's been a fucking ghost town. And I there know. were those leaked... Um, those leaked character models that looked like they were running on the SF4 engine, but nothing ever became of that. Well, yeah, where'd you uh, see <sighs> that? That was, dude, that was way back in the day. Really? That was, that was like 10 years ago, Eddie. Wow. <laughs> but even if it ran on the SF4 engine, a Street Fighter 4 engine fit perfectly. And that's the latest Street Fighter I can play. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Street Fighter 4 was very cartoony. And it yeah, was what, I liked it. It was a brilliant game because it. I mean, when I started playing it back when it debuted in art, uh, Japanese arcades, a lot of us were amazed with the facial expressions when you do like the ultra. Yeah, moves. they were fun. Yeah, it, they looked so so much like uh, straight out of a cartoon. Uh, that would have been perfect for Dark Stalkers, but um, we'll see. I mean. Uh, unfortunately, uh, back in the day, uh, like you mentioned, they had that collection for what Xbox 360 and uh, PS3, and they made that mm. ultimatum, the Capcom ultimatum, saying like, "Well, if you buy our collection for the umpteenth time, maybe we'll bring you another Darkstalkers game," and they never did because people were finally said, "Well, dude, I already got it on Dreamcast and PS2. What what do you, what more do you want from me? You're giving me the same game, but on a different system. What, dude? What? What, dude? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, it's no secret that um, the thing I wouldn't shut up about in 2021 was the Mr. Um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time Catching up on unfinished business. Yeah. Probably the single best moment of that was finally finishing Fantasy Star 4. Yeah. Which, oh my. I still need to play that game. Oh man. I still need to finish Fantasy Star 1 on Switch. All right, Eddie, just get out of here now. No, 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 no. I'm glad I'm playing it on Switch because. Yeah. Yeah, that version's way better. Yeah. Way better. Yeah, I never got the opportunity, and now I'm playing it in a much more refined way where I don't have to draw maps. <laughs> the first time when I played it back in the day when I was a kid, yeah, on the Master System converter on my Genesis, I had that glitch. I think I think James, you brought it up on one of your episodes of a few like go to a certain dungeon and you don't have the right stuff, you get stuck in there. I had to restart the whole game. Yeah. Oh. That that that's what I heard. So I'm tr- I don't know where that exact part is, but I'm trying to keep my save files kind of spaced out so that doesn't happen. Hopefully, but yeah, I got to get back into it because it, the the bad thing about RPGs is if you don't play it for a couple months, oh my god. Yeah, especially with a game like Fantasy on. Star. Unless you're playing Fantasy Star Four, really? Because Fantasy Star Four, you can have the characters talk and they tell you. Which player, is what you were still like one of the greatest innovations that ever happened to JRPGs. Yeah. Like, Dragon Quest 8 did that. Talk. Yeah. You can remember what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I know, but this is back in 1994. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's probably where Dragon Quest got it. 
that's pretty cool that they should do that more yep. they're like hey hey dummy did you the best forget thing. we got to like, do this hey, quest? they have a conversation and they tell you what the hell needs to happen next like yeah brilliant yeah. <laughs> but so yeah i loved fantasy star 4 like it was everything I hoped it would be, even after years of hearing that it was probably the best game in the series. Um, just the way it brought everything around, you know, drawing so much from primarily the first two games in the series. Um, it's, it's, if you're a Sega fan at all and you had any interest in those games, you just you have to beat that one. You just, you just have to. It's fantastic. So yeah, that was the thing that made me the happiest in 2021. As far as the console wars go, I'm enjoying the time that I'm spending with my Xbox series X more than I did at the beginning of the year. Um, I absolutely cannot front on the value of Xbox Game Pass. I mean, there's so many other games that I'm just at least trying now that I might not have ever tried before. So that has tremendous value. Um, as far as the race shapes up, quote unquote, like, I still feel like both of these consoles just dropped a year too soon. Um, but that said, like, it really is, as you said, Optimus, like, the specs are so stupidly close with both systems, you know, between Series X and PS5 that, you know, it's really going to come down to Dick whoever games. can create the most interesting exclusives for both. Yeah, it's the games and, the, and I think the community. I think Xbox is definitely stronger as far as building a community. Mm-hmm. I think PlayStation has a really good um, stable of developers for single player games that people love. You mm-hmm. know, they've got the exclusive on the Spider-Man stuff. They've got Uncharted. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I would love to play those Horizon games. Those games look fucking right up my alley, but I don't have a PlayStation. Maybe later at some point I'll get one. But, right. Um, and it's not even a it, well right now they're really hard to get like i have mm-hmm. money i could go get one but they're hard to get it's just that i can't like justify buying one when i barely have enough time to play the few xbox games that i'm trying to no, play right sense. now it's one of those things where if i was if i was younger and not as busy i could yeah. totally do it um you know so i think it's awesome i think it's and then like we were saying before i think competition is good for the industry so i'm glad that they're both duking it out there yep it always makes these things better. And we've, you know, that was like the biggest takeaway of the whole 16 bit generation thing that, you know, when they're at each other's throats and it's really close, you're going to get the absolute best that rolls mm-hmm. out. And, Hopefully uh, we see that on the fighting game end of things. Yeah. And I think with all the console makers, they know what the common enemy is and that's mobile gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because just, that's I mean, in many people's hands. People's, yeah. Yeah. And it's mainly games, just about competing for people's free time, period. Exactly. So yeah. you want a grand experience or do you want a quick and easy experience with the mobile games? So, right. You know, 
That's why. And as far as my game pulled from the depths of fantasy, I would still love to see a remake of Fantasy Stars 1 through 4, but brought into line with a modern aesthetic and then slightly rewritten so that each segment sort of flows into the next. Dude. <laughs> it would be nice. And definitely, if they had another... I just want Fantasy Star to come back in its original form. Yeah. They just give me that. Not, not the <laughs> PSO online? Uh, PS I mean, online. I understand. Like, those games have a user base, and those people love them. Like... I've tried to claw back into it and I just, I don't have, like, I just don't have the time to invest in a game like that anymore. The, I tried to play the new one mm -hmm. and it, it feels too weirdly like a PC game shoehorned into the yeah, Xbox. It's also just got way, since it's free to play, it's got way too many MTX options up the wazoo. And I just, I just kind of walked away. I was like, this is a money pit. <laughs> I'm walking mm, away. Yeah. That makes sense. And it then, doesn't, and it doesn't feel. It doesn't have that same, like the original Fantasy Star Online one and two. You know, the one that was on the Dreamcast mm -hmm. and the GameCube and Xbox. That just had a a feel to it that when they made Fantasy Star Universe didn't work for me. When they made Fantasy Star um, Universe two, and then there was another one, and then like now we've got this Fantasy Star Online two, and I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't. Something doesn't feel. I like the gameplay itself on the new one's nice. Like the combat and everything feels good, and the way it shoots feels real good. The graphics, like I said, they look really nice. You can, on the Series X, you can crank up the settings all the way to the max, and it looks pretty neat. Yeah. But the slog and the grind and the MTX of that game, I was just like, no, nah, man, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I don't know. There was something that was lightning in a bottle about that first iteration of fantasy star online that they just, yeah, it was, it was, a, it wasn't as complicated. I think that's part of it. It wasn't as this game is like cluttered everywhere. And the original PSO was pretty simple to distill. Mm -hmm. The core gameplay was really addicting. And it brought uh console guys like myself online to play finally. Yeah. And For I sure. remember those days when I played with you and your brother and, and, uh, yeah, played on dial-up. I mean, it's still astounding to me that that game was as fluid and playable as it was over a friggin' 56K modem. Yep. As long as you could uh, you could type the phone for a couple hours without your sister uh, picking up the phone and hanging up your connection. <laughs> like my, my sister always did. Yeah. Yep. Good times, though. But, but I'm glad you brought that up because... Uh, well, Fantasy Star, yeah, they de definitely need like a new traditional Fantasy Star game, not the online game and not a mobile game, which not many people know, but they actually made a mobile game recently that did f fairly poorly. And yeah. the servers are going to shut down very soon, if not, all they're, they're already shut down. But well, I don't know. I mean, maybe Fantasy Star is right for the soft reboot thing, then. If you're yeah. going to do a single player traditional JRPG out of it. Yeah. I don't know. But <sighs> I, hope, I hope they do because I, I would love to see a new entry that, I mean, we, we could always use a good 
JRPG that's traditional. I mean, Final Fantasy is way different than it was before. Dragon Quest, right. at least it kept its roots. And even with it being in 3D and everything, it still feels like Dragon Quest and it's not gotten off the beaten path in terms of looks and the way it plays. Right. But yeah, I would love to see Fantasy Star kind of jump back in it like Virtual Fire. All right. So yeah, we've willed CBS 3, Darkstalkers, and Fantasy Star 5 into existence. Yes. Sega, Capcom, SK, get on it. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> um, Thanks. Holy crap. This was a fantastic trip down both memory lane and what's happening now. Um, Optimus, it was fantastic to have you on. Yeah, thanks for coming. Dude, I love it. Anytime I'm in, anytime you guys are like, hey, you want to come on the show? I'm in. Uh, awesome. We'll definitely cool. make that happen again. Um, for myself and Game Agent ET, we want to thank you guys so much for spending time with us on episode seven of Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts. And a Happy um, New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget to check out our man Hoptimus on his own show, Retrofuturist Culture, right here on Ruminations Radio Network, along with the galaxy of other terrific podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.